I'm in Psalms to live by, and I'm, I don't know when I'm ever going to leave this <laughs> set of messages. Uh, I keep seeing things that I want to talk about. And, you know, I honestly believe that there is always going to be a generation who live in hot pursuit of God. And uh, I know you guys, first service especially, uh, you, uh, I think, are that generation. And, you know, it, the, the thing about generations in the Bible, and you're going to see the words in, uh, in the Psalms in just a minute, but uh, there, in our church is probably five, could even be six generations. Uh, from, I mean, all the way from baby boomers and millennials and Gen X and Gen Y and I mean, all the, all the different generations that exist within our church. But I also think it's a vital thing to understand that we are together, whatever age you are, uh, we are this generation of the Rock Church. So we are the 2023 generation of the Rock Church. And, uh, and whether if the Rock Church is going to be something great for the glory of God, it's you and me. Right? It's, it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. The past is gone. Uh, but what matters is today. So uh, I think there are people in our church that have a passion to see God's kingdom come, to see God's will be done. Come on, in the earth, just as it is done in heaven. And so um, it takes that. So there's a, a passage of Scripture that I want to read today, Psalm 24. And I believe it describes a piece of, of what that generation looks like. So uh, let's look at this together. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's. All it contains, the world and those who live in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? One who has clean hands and a pure heart who's not lifted up his soul to deceit and has not sworn deceitfully. He will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation. Somebody say generation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob and the word Selah, means think about this like don't just don't just rush through this there is a jacob generation that is in pursuit that is seeking after god verse 7 says this lift up your heads you gates be lifted up you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in who is the king of glory the lord strong mighty the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? It's the Lord of armies, angel armies. He is the king of glory, Selah. Today I want to talk for a few moments about let the king of glory come in. Let the king of glory come in. Uh, this is an important concept to understand. The earth is 
the Lord's. The, let's, let's bring it local. Western North Carolina belongs to the Lord. Asheville belongs to the Lord. And we got to remember who really owns the place. Amen. Uh, a couple verses help us just get it. Psalm 24, 1, which we just read, the earth is the Lord's, all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says, for the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. It all belongs to the Lord. If you were to drive around Asheville, uh, you would find more often than not a bumper sticker that would say, the earth does not belong to us, we belong to her. Well, let me just say that's not true. We don't belong to her, she belongs to us. Uh, Psalm 89 uh, verse 11 says, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all it contains, you have founded them. The heavens and the earth belong to the Lord's. It's, it's all God's. He, and what the Bible teaches us is that God who owns heaven, God who owns earth, gives us a responsibility on the earth to bring his kingdom to come into the earth. In other words, the king of glory wants to come in, and he's going to come in through you and through me, right? It's a, he's given the earth to, to us. So, so Psalm 115 verse 16 says, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. And I believe there is a Jacob generation who live passionately, not just sort of haphazardly, but live passionately a life that wants to see the king of glory come in. And the Bible tells us over and over in Psalm 24, you got to lift up your head and let the king of glory in. Come on, he's the king of glory. So let the king of glory come into your world. Let the king of glory come into your school. Let the king of glory come into your family. Right? Let the king of glory come into your work. And definitely let the king of glory come into your church. You guys would most likely remember the story of when, when Jacob, the Jacob generation, Jacob is traveling and lays down in an open place. He doesn't really uh, have anything certain going on. Lays his head on a rock, falls asleep, has a dream. In the dream, there is, a, there is a ladder ascending up into heaven, and there are angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And when Jacob wakes up, he wakes up with this revelation and uh, makes this statement in Genesis 28, 17. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and the house of God is the gate of heaven. The, the church is the house of God. 
not the building, but the people. The people are the house of God. You and me, we are the house of God. I'm glad we have a building. I like our building. And it's, how many of you know when you have a family, it's good to have a house to live in, right? And the house of God is the gate of heaven. If God is going to enter in to his ownership of Asheville, he's going to walk through the gate of the house of God. He gets into the earth through people. And prayer is a part of that for sure, but there's also some action involved in us letting the king of glory come in. Together, as, as a church, as a church family, we're opening the gates for the king of glory to come in. Now, I want you to get this, and I want you to, to, to understand, church is not just about consoling people who are hurting. And there, church does do that, and there is something vital about that. There is certainly a place for that kind of ministry to take place in the house of God, but I'm going to encourage us all to think a little bit higher than just soothing our wounds all the time and actually recognize we got to open up the gates and let the king of glory come in. I remember several years ago, Suzette and I were in Australia, and we had been ministering in a church. In the afternoon, we went out to kind of an open shopping area, and we were still, you know, dressed kind of like this for church and probably a little bit more dressed up than normal for people in this young lady said, gosh, you guys look great. What have you guys been up to today? And we said, well, we've just been in church all morning. And her response was interesting to me because she was like, oh, that must have been so peaceful. And I said, no, actually, it was exhilarating. It was inspirational. It was dynamic. It was powerful. It was life-changing. It was energizing. It was amazing. Yeah, there was some peace, but what happened is we opened the doors and let the king of glory come in. When, when David had it in his heart to build a house for God, to build a temple for God, God said, you've been a man of bloodshed. It's not going to be for you, but I'm giving you the vision, and I want you to prep things so that your son Solomon can build the house, the house that is worthy of the king of glory. And so uh, 1 Chronicles 22.5 says, the house that is to be built for the Lord shall be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious, throughout all lands. And we have to recognize that that is still God's heart for his house. I don't think it's about extravagance in a building, but I also don't think it's going by on the cheap for a building, right? Because we're building a magnificent church for the glory of God. And 
and not in just the facility that our church would happen to, to meet in, but I want us to understand that when we do church, like when we get together to worship, when we get together to pray, when we get together to do things for the glory of God, we want to do church in a magnificent way. That's the way God is, wants his church to be. He, he wants it to represent the king of glory. So in church life, we're not just looking for what's the least that we can do. What's the least that we could give? What's the least we could participate and be somewhat a part of what's going on? We're not seeking for what's the minimum but we're seeking for what's the maximum. I mean, like, what's the best I can do to let the king of glory come in to the earth? I, I hope we all recognize how much this earth needs the king of glory to come in, right? So it, when we worship, worship is not about us. Worship is about recognizing his greatness. You know, if if you ever if you ever if you ever hear a song and you go, oh, you know, I don't really like that song, it's not about you anyway. Believe me, we do songs that I don't like. Not for long, but uh <laughs> But when we come to worship, it's not about us just saying, well, I'm kind of quiet. I don't really get too enthused about things. I'm asking you to look at it in a different way, starting from today, right? Psalm 96 verse 4 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Not just quietly to be praised. Come on, if they can raise a ruckus in a Taylor Swift concert, then we can raise a ruckus in the house of God to let the king of glory come in. I, I read something the other day where at a Taylor Swift concert, they, it actually caused a minor earthquake wherever, whatever stadium they, they were filled, I would love to see a minor earthquake come from the house of God, right? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalm 98 verse 4 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. You might say, I'm not into shouting. I'm not even into joy. It's, it'd be worthwhile to make an adjustment to say, this is what God says. This is how he describes it's supposed to be. I'm going to break forth and I'm going to sing for joy and sing praises because I want the king of glory to come in. Psalm 100 verse 1, and you guys know I could do these verses like this all day. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
Come before him with joyful singing. So when we worship, we worship like we're opening the gates for the king of glory to come in. When, when we give of our financial resources, I hope we can move beyond tipping God. Here's a little bit. Here's, I remember one time a guy invited me to his church. It was a black church, fully black church. I was the only white guy there. And they were passing an offering bucket. And he gave me a couple of pennies so I'd have something to put in the offering bucket. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not honoring the king of glory to just throw my spare chain into the offering, right? When, when we tithe, <clears throat> we are honoring God by saying, God, you actually deserve our first and our best. When we, when we pay tithe, we're helping build and resource the greatest thing on the planet, when I think about the multiple millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that are spent on political campaigns, I'm thinking there's something far greater I could send my resources into than a political campaign. And that is, we are helping build the greatest thing on planet Earth, God's great church. And when, when we pray, we're not just praying with some kind of meek sort of, Lord, I sure hope you would do something. No, we're praying to the one who owns it all. We're praying to the one who owns this world and all it contains, the Bible says. So when we pray, we're praying with authority, right? We're standing as ambassadors of the King of glory. Come on. We're, we're, when we pray, we're, we're letting the King of glory come in. We understand that there is a spiritual dimension and an earthly dimension, and we got to get things squared away in the heavenlies to get things squared away in the physical. Amen. When, when we serve, when we, when we worship, when we give, when we pray, when we serve, we, we serve with excellence. God deserves us to be on time. Amen. Hello. I was raised uh, in New Orleans, and if you're born in New Orleans, more than likely you're born uh, into a Roman Catholic tradition. Our family was not uh, super involved, really was not at all involved. And I think I went to Catholic mass. I went to Catholic um, school the first two years of school and, and then went to public school after that. But I think I went to mass, Catholic mass, maybe a half a dozen times uh, in, in my life. More than half of those times, I was high on something, um, which may be true for our church too, but, um, but when I, thank you. Thank you for those who are appreciating 
the reality. Uh, but I, I remember distinctly what the whole setup felt like, what it looked like. It, atmosphere in church was quiet, somber, religious, mournful, ritualistic. I mean, like it was all mapped out. And, and, the, and the picture that, that I had as a young man growing up uh, was Jesus was this emaciated-looking guy with barely something covering his private parts and hanging on the cross and just looking weak. And now, don't misunderstand me. I am grateful, so grateful, for the work that Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. But I'm also really aware of the fact that he is not on the cross anymore. And, and he is the risen king of glory. Come on. He went to the cross for us, grateful for all that was accomplished there. But come on, he, that, was a, that was a moment in an eternity before and an eternity after. And now he's exalted over every principality, over every power. He's the owner of all the earth. He's the king of all kings. Come on, let's let the king of glory come in. My great friend, uh, Dr. David Shibley, who has been here a few times to, to preach and minister, uh, once he was asked, so what you, do you have a political statement to make? And he, he spoke out of these verses in Revelation 11:15. It says, the seventh angel sounded, there were loud voices in heaven. Loud voices in heaven, imagine. Saying, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. He said, that's my political statement. Amen. You're asking me to stand for Democrats, stand for Republicans, stand for independent, libertarian, whatever. He said, this is, this is my political statement. The kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. He owns the earth right? And the 24 elders who sat on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God. We are certainly living in a day of pronounced political division, but I just want to assure you that I don't think it's a great idea to cater to any political slant or to cater to any political candidate. I think it's important for us to stand strong for biblical truth. Amen. But to just take a stance for a candidate, Republican, Democrat, whoever it is, our long-term view is beyond who's the president today or who's the president next term or who will be the president the next term. Our long-term view is 
hey, I, I don't care what party they represent. Our main obsession is let's let the king of glory come in. Ephesians uh, 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Just here as your pastor to remind you God is a God of abundance. He's never changed. He never will change. He's not the God who's a God of barely enough. He's the God who is God of more than enough, right? And I want to encourage you to not let a season of lack trick you into thinking that God is a God of lack. The Bible says here very clearly, he is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you could ask or think. And what I think is, is interesting is that it's, it's really tied to our asking and our thinking. Because if we are not carrying this mindset, I'm a gate that the king of glory can come in through and he wants to come in as the king of glory, it, how we ask and how we think, our expectations in life are built and based on our mindsets. To him be glory in the church. The, and I've said it already, but I'll say it again. This building is not the church. We are the church. To him be glory in the church. And twice this happens in Psalm 24. Twice we are told, lift up your head. Not just lift up your eyes. Lift up your head. Come on, you know sometimes there's stupid stuff going on in your head. Gravity wants to pull us down. Life would love to pull us down. There, people sometimes would want to pull us down. But the Bible encourages us, you got to lift. Come on, you lift, bro? You got to lift your head. You... You, you, I want to say you, that sounds terrible. But you, <laughs> you need to lift yourself, right? You need to get something going on in your head that gets you up. You, and what is enabling you to lift others, which is enabling you to lift him up. I mean, everybody goes through down periods, down seasons. But if your life is always characterized by this kind of, oh, 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 you, 
There's nobody else that can lift your head for you. Right? You, you got to get a hold of your thinking. You got to bring some thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and lift yourself and say, come on, God is good. He's the king of glory. He is able. He's, gonna, he's exceeding abundant above. I got to get the word in my head, not circumstances in my head. It says lift up. It's what we're after is up, not down. And I know, I know some of you might be thinking, you know, that pastor, that's just your personality. It's not my personality. My personality is to be a smart Alex cynic. That's my personality. But I've learned enough to know that you got to keep looking up because it's easy to look down. And you, you and I, we, we end up going where we're looking. And you got to lift your head. I, 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 don't think, I don't think it's right to just ignore the down things, the tough things. But I think it's also very possible to keep recognizing the greater things, the up things. Come on. Let's let the king of glory come in. L- lift. So, so the Bible says several times here in Psalm 24, you got to lift up your head. You got to lift up your mindset. You got to lift up your th- attitude. You got to lift up your thinking. You, you got to lift up your outlook. I like, I love that song we just sang that there's no matter what is going on, I'm still going to worship God. I'm still going to sing his praise. I don't have to be doing great for the king of glory to come in. It's more important that the king of glory comes in, right? And somehow it's like grabbing a hold of these promises of God and recognizing, hey, here's what the Bible promises it all works out for my good. Anybody read that before? Romans 8:28, right? Come on, we got to get this in us. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Come on. We, we got to get it in our heads and our hearts. I'm, I'm living in the exceeding, abundant, beyond zone. I may have had some good things happen. I may have had some bad things happen, but all I know is I'm on my way up. Come on, these are, just, these are promises that the Bible gives. You're not ignoring the difficulty, but you're understanding that there's a greater up thing. The king of glory wants to come in. We got, we got to recognize this. You got to say it 100 times a day. I am blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. Uh, the blessing of the Lord rests on my life. We, listen, we have to choose to lift up our heads. If you just let your head go where it wants to go, it's not going to take you to a good place. You got to make a choice to lift up your head. 
Last passage of scripture I want to read, and then we're going to pray together. Ephesians 1.18, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that something on the inside of you gets awakened so that you'd know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you'd know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Come on, that's big thoughts. Those are huge thoughts, but they're the thoughts that we need to lift our head up and go, this is the truth. So the Apostle Paul is praying. I'm praying that your heart would be awakened to the surpassing greatness of his power that's directed toward you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is directed toward you, right? I love the message translation here. It says that we would grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for us as Christians. I wanna ask you this, would you be a gate to let the King of glory in? Would you be a gate to say, I'm gonna let the King of glory come in to my world, to my life. I'm gonna, I'm, if, there's, if there's gonna be anything that happens about my place in this spiritual family, I'm gonna let the King of glory come in. Would, would you let the King of glory come in to our region that God has assigned us to? That we're not just going, oh man, there's so much crazy. No, let the King of glory come in. Amen. Would you, would you be a part of opening wide the gates and let the King of glory not just come into my world, your world, our church, but I believe in the Western North Carolina. I want to pray with you today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Father, as we come before you today, our hearts are um, challenged to understand that our role is to lift our heads and let the King of glory come in. And so I'm praying, Father, I know many of us in this room might be facing difficulties, might be facing trials, and I, I believe that you want to come in as the King of glory and bring your healing, bring your power, bring your grace, bring your, the Lord who's strong and mighty, the Lord who's mighty in battle. So Father, I'm believing for you to help us make a, a mind shift to see the vital role that you've given every one of us in the earth. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just a couple minutes left today. If you're here today and you say, you know, I have never really 
actually surrendered to Jesus and let him become the Lord of my life, I would love to pray with you. Let's start that journey. Maybe you could look back on a day when you used to be closer to the Lord than you are today. You know it, and you know it's time for you to come back home. I would love to pray with you. Or maybe you just don't feel a sense of confidence about where you stand with God. And you hear me talking the way I'm talking today, and you go, I, I don't have that. I, I don't have that, but I want that. I, I want that sense of confidence about Jesus in my life. If you've never surrendered to Christ or you've slipped away, fallen away, or if you just don't feel confident and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I, I want to connect with Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Would you lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? All over the room, just lift your hand, lift your heart, lift yourself just to say yes to God, to say, open my heart, Lord. I open my heart to you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody say this with me. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I recognize you as the King of glory. I open my heart. I open my life to your love and your Lordship. I know I've sinned, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.